When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Expert, innovator, entrepreneur. With over 20 years of experience in corporate governance and shareholder communications, Golden Grove, Jamaica-born and Malvern-raised Wes Hall has established himself as Canada's preeminent leader in shareholder advisory services and proxy solicitation through the company he built from the ground up, Kingsdale Advisors. Ernst & Young named him Entrepreneur of the Year in 2009 for Ontario, and in 2011, he received his Institute of Corporate Directors, or his ICDD designation, from the Institute of Corporate Directors in partnership with the Rotman School of Management at U of T. The Globe and Mail, Canada's most prestigious paper, has called him one of the nation's most influential power brokers, and Canadian Business Magazine named him one of the most powerful business people in 2016. In 2015, West was the recipient of the Vice Chancellor's Award, and in 2017, an honorary doctorate, both from the University of the West Indies. The Harry Jerome Awards also honored him in 2017. Wes is currently a director of Sick Kids Foundation, TIFF, and Pathways to Education, and he's also sat on numerous other boards. In the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, Wes scaled up the Black North Initiative, which was already in the works, to end anti-Black systemic racism throughout all aspects of our lives by utilizing a business-first mindset, believing that if corporate Canada can add gender diversity to Canadian boardrooms and executive suites by declaring policies, setting specific targets, and holding itself accountable, it can do the same for Black Canadians. This year, West will sit alongside an esteemed list of jurors on the National Business Book Awards Committee as the first Black man to play a part in recognizing top Canadian business literature. And of course, West will join the 16th season of CBC's Dragon's Den as the first Black dragon. And as he says himself, he seeks to make an impact by consciously awarding opportunities to up-and-coming BIPOC entrepreneurs. A husband, father, business, and philanthropic leader. We're honored to have Wes join us today. Wes, Wagwan King. Medea, Medea. Medea, Medea, we're there, same way, you know. Patience, patience, patience don't get these kind of talk, man. I know. <laughs> I mean, you kind of do, though, don't you? We kind of do, yeah. I, I, I kind of do. I kind of do. I'm, I'm used to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, patience, just for you, we're going to do the whole interview in Jamaica. Don't <laughs> it's just for you. <laughs> so let's, we'll, we'll jump right in. Um, uh, we'll start with this one. So for a lot of people, you're best known for your response to George Floyd's murder here in Canada through the Black North Initiative. Last year, you rightfully revealed to Corporate Canada that, quote, when you look in the mirror, you see George Floyd, end quote. Obviously, you, like many other Black people, felt his death very deeply and personally. Uh, 
So I'm wondering what your thoughts were when you heard that Derek Chauvin was finally found guilty on all three counts. Well, you know, I back in 1992 when Rodney King got uh, uh, beat, beat up by all these LA uh, County police officers and, uh, and he got away and it was a video camera that actually recorded the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it was unprecedented. And people were just in uproar, right? And uh, there was all these, uh, you know, riots and places burning and protests all over the place. And um, and so uh, we're kind of used to, the Black community is kind of used to things like that happening. And then the person who perpetrated the crime against them mm -hmm. got away, right? So, but this time around, there was something different about that, that we felt that it wasn't going to happen again. And the reason why was because of the fact that the protest didn't happen after he was, uh, he was let go and, uh, and, and that he was uh, exonerated, which is kind of a loose term because uh, there's no honor in, 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 in releasing someone who, uh, who committed a crime like that. Right. But, um, but the protest happened before and the protest happened that and because of the protest that it caused him to go to jail right. because he was out on bail. He, he wasn't even on bail. He wasn't even charged uh, after the video came out that this was happening. It's when people start to protest in the street that they decided to charge him. And so we felt it was going to be different, but because of the fact that we've always had this head fake moment in the black community when it comes to getting justice, mm -hmm. we just kind of felt that maybe we shouldn't be too comfortable and so when the verdict came down and go guilty, it was like a sigh of relief for us all, I think. I hear that. I mean, even me, I, Patience and I have spoken about this. Um, I would listen to Sean King. I remember listening to Sean King the night before the verdict, thinking that Sean King was going to essentially let us down easy, saying, you know, things haven't changed. But he was very triumphant, saying, you know, things are probably going to be different. And here we are. They are different. We have to hope that this new direction is sustained. Agreed. You know, we here at The Drip are students of history, and we know that even five years ago, it was still pretty radical to even use the word Black when discussing race issues, much less to, to profess that Black Lives Matter. Considering that it was Black Lives Matter, BLM, that brought the plight of Black people to the fore for this generation, do you think that Black Lives Matter Toronto walked so that the Black North Initiative could run? Well, listen, we all have a role to play in change in society, all of us, right? When we look, for example, at the civil rights movement and we look at Martin Luther King, we look at Malcolm X and uh, we look at leaders like those, they all took a different way to kind of raise the consciousness of, uh, of Black people and to change the narrative. There were different approaches, but guess what? It, uh, it was to accomplish the exact same thing. So right. we know, for example, that uh, without people marching in the streets, it's really difficult to make changes in the boardroom. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can get so if the people marching in the streets, you know, and you can look at that and go, wait a minute here, I'm not marching in the streets, but maybe I can get the guys in the boardroom and other places to change because of the actions of the people marching in the street. So let's do that. And so I would say that there are very, very different approaches that are actually complementary that causes uh, actions and changes to happen in society. And without one, the other probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yep, I, I completely agree with that. And so speaking of which, um, the Black North Initiative led by you and the Canadian Council of Business Leaders Against Anti-Black Systemic Racism brought together leaders from 450 Canadian companies totaling over a trillion dollars in value from both the public and private sector 
to build a corporate framework to eradicate anti-Black systemic racism. Now, that included government, major banks, insurance companies, law firms, and the largest asset managers and institutional investors in the nation. A huge feat. Mm -hmm. And, And yet there are so many entities that have not yet signed that pledge. So why do you think that is? You know, Chris, there's that, there's 2,500 companies on the, uh, the venture exchange. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, about 1,500 companies on the main board, the Toronto Stock Exchange. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I, when I have 500 companies actually sign the pledge, you know, even though it may sound impressive, it's actually disappointing to me. Right. Um, so, and why is that? Because all of those companies, the 2,500 and 1,500, they access public capital. Uh-huh. They go to moms and pops, and they don't say we're only going to white moms and pops, or we're, we're you know, we're, they go to moms and pops uh, that are investors that trade on the stock exchange, and they go, we would like for you to invest in our company, uh-huh. but yet they're not represented in the institutions that they invest in. Right? right? Their kids aren't represented. Uh, they're not represented. So what we're saying is that, uh, quite frankly, every single company should sign a pledge to say that we're going to be inclusive. Because we're not saying, because, it, okay, fine, you don't want to sign a Black North pledge, sign a pledge that you're going to be inclusive. So put something out there publicly that you're going to be inclusive. And when we talk about inclusivity, we're not just talking about to say you're going to hire, uh, because, you know, a lot of, it's it's sexy to say that Black North is trying to get representation in boards and in C-suites, but that's not really what Black North is all about, right? The newspapers are saying that, and that's the sexy thing to say. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is that we need for you as business leaders to use your power to change society for the better because you have power, right? Mm -hmm. So, but what we want you to do is we want you to start in your own boardroom and C-suite because that's where the heart of decision is. Yep. Right. So we want to make sure that when you're making serious decision that you have black people in there that are actually saying, no, we don't like that. Or, yes, we think this is good or this is bad, because if you're a bank, for example, and you're making decisions as to who to give capital to, mm-hmm. if there are no black people around the table helping you with that decision, we're not going to get capital. Right. OK, so as a result of that, Spencer's Bakery, who wants to expand his bakery in Eglinton Avenue. Or the guy who runs the patty shop, Randy, wants to expand. He's not going to get the capital to do that. And as a result of that, his business is going to be stagnated. So we need to have representation at the very top in order for the policies to be filtered so that it gets to Main Street. You, you've, you've done a really good job of establishing yourself as this business leader, this, this Black business mogul in Canada. But you've also recently been a lot more visible when it comes to to public sector movements as well. The week of April 18th, we saw you praise the federal liberal government for their looming investments in Black communities through this year's budget, Budget 2021, while in a measured way, sharing your disapproval of the Ontario Conservative government giving enhanced powers to police to contain the third wave. You also reiterated what most others know, saying that Quote, to be truly effective within the management of the pandemic, trusted voices from within marginalized communities must be mobilized and supportive legislation enacted like mandatory sick leave to give days off, to get vaccinated and better pay and to provide Canadians with the ability to better comply with recommendations made by our healthcare authorities, end quote. It might seem like you have chosen a party, but we also know that 
you have friends in high places in both liberal and conservative circles. Uh, the, the question here is, do you consider yourself apolitical? And if so, why? So, uh, first of all, anyone who reads my story knows I'm Jehovah's Witness. You know, mm-hmm. I've been a Jehovah's Witnesses since I was uh, 19 years old. My entire family, uh, my wife, my kids were Jehovah's Witnesses. We don't mm-hmm. support politics. We don't support any particular political leader or not. What I've said publicly is that any organization, whether it be your business, whether it be your politics, that are supported my community, I'm going to support you. Okay. So when the liberal government came and said, um, we're going to do this, I said, I applaud you. However, we're going to keep an eye to make sure that you just don't say you're going to do it and not do it. Right. Right. But I applaud you for making the announcement, but the announcement is only the first part. Right. When the conservative government came out and said, you know, hey, we're going to, um, you know, like, let's take, look at the federal uh, 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 leader of the conservative, Aaron Atul. He came out and said, there's no such thing as systemic racism in Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a problem with that because I experienced systemic racism. So I have a problem with that, right? When, 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 when the premier, uh, premier Ford, which is a friend of mine, by the way, mm-hmm. okay, uh, came out and said, we're going to give uh, police this enhanced power to stop people. And I know that it's going to affect me as a black man walking down the street and driving my car. Mm-hmm. I have to say something about that in spite of the relationship that I have with them. Okay, so it's not about, you know, supporting this party versus that party. It's about what are you doing that is having a positive or negative impact on the community in which I live in? Nobody, when they see me driving down the street, you talk about mogul and and success and all that. Nobody sees that when I walk down the street. They see a black man walking down the street. And if there's policies that's going to curtail my freedom for walking down the street, I have a duty to speak out against it, regardless of who put that policy in place. Wow. Wes, you're talking about fire today. I didn't know Wes had this much fire. Curtis, you didn't tell me. (laughs) Wow. Well, it's true. right? I'm telling you how I feel, right? I'm not, you know, listen, I've been on Bay Street for 30 years, okay? And nobody heard about Wes Hall because I've done my business quietly. Mm-hmm. And I've watched and I see how things affect me as a person. I see I drive my car to go into the Four Seasons to meet with a client. And when I get out, people are saying, go valet my car for me. Nuts. Or people come to my house to do work on it and tell me to go get Mr. Hall. Or I'm jogging through the neighborhood with my wife and they go, hey, let me use your personal trainer one day to my wife. The fact of the matter is, wow. it doesn't matter how successful you are as a black person in this country you are treated as a second-class citizen, period, full stop, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's two ways to make changes in society. Again, you either can, you know, embarrass people to say you have to do it, or you can put some sugar and and catch that fly with with the sugar, okay? Mm -hmm. My grandmother, who raised me, was the most kindest, gentlest, industrious woman on the planet. She's no longer around, so that person is gone. But what she told me is that you can catch more flies with sugar, right? Mm-hmm. So if you now, I can say to all those guys on Bay Street, you guys are horrible, you're doing a bad job, you know, you're, you're, you're not hiring black people, you're not helping. Or I can say, you know what, you're, you're, you, you know, we're going to give you a pass for what you've done in the past, but I'm going to now look at what you're going to do from here on in. Mm. Now that you recognize the fact that you were part of the problem, now let me see you be a part of the solution. And I'm going to judge you from that point onward. And I kept saying to people that 
if you keep on looking in the rearview mirror when you're driving, you're going to crash. The rearview mirror is there for you to glance at it, to see what's going on, but not to focus on it. So yeah, some of these people, they haven't hired black people. They haven't helped black people, right? Fine. We're not going to, we're not going to harp on you for that. But what I want you to tell me is this. I want you to tell me, let's say, for example, in these corporate companies, in the last 10 years, how many black people did you hire in your company? Right? Because I want you to have the facts. And when the answer is zero or the answer is 2%, then you're going to go, well, we got a lot of work to do. And now I judge you from this point on when you say, I'm going to start the work. So all the people who signed the pledge last year, they go, we're going to start the work today. Mm-hmm. And I want you as a, as a community to judge us based on what we've done today, because now we're signing on the dotted line that we've recognized that we've had problems. Mm-hmm. And we're telling you right now by signing on the dotted line that we're going to come up with solutions and we're willing to work with you to come up with those solutions. That's what it's about. We hear that. And I'm sure you're going to be telling us a bit more about you know, how you'll be holding these organizations accountable. Uh, but speaking of the, the historic investments from uh, the federal government and Black communities in this budget, um, how much of a role did you play in, in that acquisition? None. And secondly, I none. Played, I played no role, just, just, just so you know. I played, I played no role. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the Black community that have played a lot of role in it. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, in the announcement, they actually highlighted, highlighted uh, those, uh, those community organizations. Uh, they played the role. They did all the work. They, they did a lot of heavy work in making it happen. Now, it's going to take all of us to make sure that they live up to it. All of us. Approaching it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, and I kind of mentioned this in the beginning, but many people think that Black North started because of George Floyd's murder. Yeah. You, you've been doing this work before that, since 2019 at least. Well, it's actually since uh, 2017, uh, uh, 2018. 2018, September 2018, it was when I sent, you know, so so here's the deal. Here's how it started, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I told you about the frustration that I've had walking around boardrooms and uh, driving my car and, you know, people just... just you know, this guy, I'm driving my car, you know, I have, a, I have a beautiful Ferrari that I love. I spent a lot, you know, I, I spent a lot of money on it because I worked so hard and I tr- treated myself. I'm driving down Bay Street. This was 2018 this summer, you know, and the guy stopped me. I'm going into my parking garage. He stopped me and he said, hey, uh, I'm a criminal lawyer. If you're looking for a criminal lawyer, give me a call. Wow. Okay? And, and, and those things kind of hurt. Yeah. Hurt. When you walk into a boardroom and people think you are... The male guy, I used to be a male guy, but that's a long time ago. I'm no longer a male guy and I'm wearing a different suit now and it's a lot more expensive. And you should be able to tell from the garment that I'm not a male boy because a male boy can't afford this suit. Not, you can't even afford this suit that the people were saying this to me, right? But yet they do it because in some cases intentionally to almost say, I have something on you, right? Yes. So those things to me, got, I got frustrated over a period of time. So in 2018, September, I started to, I went on LinkedIn and I looked at all the people with the black face and they have a title like a director or vice president or something. Mm-hmm. And I connect with them and I sent them a, a very long note. I still have it. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to change the narrative and I'm trying to get as many black people as possible to work with me, we don't need a hundred, we don't need a thousand, we just need a handful of willing people to change the conversation as to how we as black people are perceived, especially in using our professional clout to make the change. 
And I sent this very long note to people. And, uh, and a number of them respond to me saying, no, thank you. Get me off your list. Oh, Don't wow. communicate with me. I'm walking down Bates Street and I see a black man or a black woman in a suit. And I give him my business card and I go, hey, give me a call. I'm, I'm setting up this group to talk about to create consciousness of black people. And a number of them, the women thought I was hitting on them. And they <laughs> thought it was weird, right? And, uh, and so I got a, a handful of people. And I start to send these notes to them. And one of the first notes that I sent to saying, listen, I'm going to have Trudeau at my, uh, to, to have a fireside chat to address this issue about how black people are treated in this, in this country. Mm-hmm. But in order for us to make sure, to show them that we're serious, I need to get people to bring like a couple of dollars. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that they know that we're not just going to come and flap our gums, but we have money and we have clout and we have power because people listen to people with money, power and clout. Okay, but as, let's whoever comes, just bring something and say, we're going to give this to you. But it's not because we're supporting you. It's because we want to show you that we have clout. And then the other government level of government will see that and go, wait a minute, black people are doing things. They're making moves because I'm learning from other communities, the Jewish community, the Sikh community, all these guys. That's what they do. Right. Yep. And people are saying, I don't support this party. I don't support that party. They said, I support no party. I support no party. But why, I know that they'll listen when they see a dollar sign. <laughs> they'll listen to you. Right. Anyways, we never had the event. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we decided to, I said, I'm going to have it at my house. So we had 60 people at my house and we just talked. Okay. Talked. And then I said, let's, uh, we're going to connect. And I called the group Black North. Mm. So I called the group. I called it Black North. We're in Canada. We're black. And uh, Canada's North. Instead of South in the U.S., this is a Canada. We're solving a black problem for Canada. That's why it's called Black North. Right. And so we start and I start sending notes to them. Then we send a letter to the Minister of Finance on banking reform and having a, a banking system for black people. And then we start to we send in all these different things. Why is it that we focus on the, 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 the current government? Because they're the current administration. They control the first string. Right. Conservative doesn't. The NDP doesn't. Right. right. So they control the purse string. They control what policies that can they put in place. They control how much money is spent, period, full stop. So that's what we had to focus on the current administration. And uh, so I guess I started doing that. And then George Floyd happened. Mm-hmm. And I have a choice now. I can continue to go behind the scenes and, and do that. Or I can, you know, and, or I can do something different. But the reason why I did something different was because what I saw happen to that man profoundly affected me, given yeah. the fact that I was thinking about all the different slights that I've had before. But now it's at a different level. And then I look at the car that he was driving and it was a Mercedes Benz. I have Mercedes Benz in my driveway, right? right? So I sat there and I go, what do I do now? Right? What do I do now? And I sent a, lo- a note. I'm on the Sick Kids boards. I'm on the uh, Pathways board. I'm on the TIFF board. After seeing that, we had board meetings that week. We're dealing with COVID. I have a number of companies that I'm working with, the management team. I sent a note to everybody, all the CEOs and the hospitals, their board members and, on, and Pathways, everybody. And I said, what I saw, you know, I had to take a mental break yeah. because this affected me mentally. And I was sad, I said to them, because I've been to all the meetings and you all saw it and you have not said anything to me to console me for what I just saw, yep. what just yep. happened to people in my community. And I said to them, if you are a member of an ethnic group and something like that publicly happened to your group mm-hmm. and nobody says anything about it, you would think that those people are insensitive. 
Okay? So as a result of that, I will not attend any board meetings this week. I will not attend any events this week. I'm taking a mental break to collect and to think about what I just saw. And I didn't know what to do after that. And that's when I wrote the op-ed in the Global Mail. And I entitled, When I Look in the Mirror, I See George Floyd. Because I just think about me in my Mercedes-Benz driving down the street, somebody accused me of something, and next thing you know, I'm in handcuffs or dead, right? And I wrote, my, I wrote how I felt, and I wrote all the things I was dealing with over the years. And as a result of that, people start calling me. And then when people start calling me, I go, what do I do? I just say, thank you for your condolences. I appreciate it. Or I say, okay, do something about it. So I said to everybody who called me, do something about it. Yep. You have the right to do something about it. Do something about it. What should we do, Wes? I don't know what to do. Sign a pledge that you're not going to fight. You, you, this is not acceptable. And you're going to start in your own company and you're going to fix your company. And once you fix your company, you're going to use your power to get into society and fix it too. And we're going to form an organization and we're going to name what we're solving, the Canadian Council of Business Leaders Against Anti-Black Systemic Racism. We're going to name it. And to sign the pledge, you have to say you're fighting anti-Black systemic racism. Period, full stop. No other language is acceptable to me. And that's what we did, and that's how Black North came about. You did monumental work even in, in that moment. Um, but if we take a second and kind of look into the future, five, ten years into the future, and we, we take into account the investments that have been made by the federal government, other investments that are being made by folks like you and through your initiatives, where do you think... Black entrepreneurship will be in five or 10 years time. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's not going to be as hard as it was for me. I guarantee you, it's not going to be because uh, they're going to get access to capital because the toughest thing for black entrepreneurs is to get access to capital. I did not get access to capital when I started Kingsdale right? Getting access to capital, but also having representation, you know, so that those young kids that uh, graduate with top of their, their, the top of their class and top of their program, they don't have to be looking as if they're begging to get a job, yeah. right? It should be automatically given to them, just like the welcome mats is rolled out for all these A-plus students that live in these uh, uh, high-class neighborhoods, right? You look at their grades, the welcome mats get rolled out, in, in other words, for, but for black kids, you look at their names and the welcome mat rolled up, yeah. not rolled out, right? So we want to make sure that when in 10, 15, 20 years from today, because of the hard work of a handful of people today, 
that it's going to be easier for my kids. I'm not just doing it for me. You know, my kids are wealthy. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm wealthy. They're not wealthy, but they have they have something to inherit when when I when I pass on, right? And they can use that to make things easier for them as they go through society. Mm-hmm. However, until they get that inheritance, they have to work hard and be treated just like everybody else, right? And if they're treated differently, well, guess what? I'm not using my power to change life for them. I'm not helping them if I don't use my power for good now. Because when I, when I do the things I'm doing today, I'm thinking about how it's helping my kids. I'll give you an example, okay? Mm-hmm. My son, I live in a, a pretty decent neighborhood. I won't say the name, but I live in a pretty decent neighborhood, <laughs> okay? My kids were, my wife shops at this store in the neighborhood and the package was too heavy. This was last December, after all this craziness happened. And they went, they, they, she said to the shopkeeper, hey, my, my boys are going to come to pick up the package. Now, my wife is white, right? We've been married for, we're celebrating 29 years in June. Congratulations. And, and, my, and my boys are black. They identify as black. Mm-hmm. They walk into the, to the store at the appointed time, 7 p.m., when it's daylight outside, and the storekeeper and another customer who were both white screamed when they saw my boys walked in. They thought they were there to rob the store. Watch out. Wow. Okay? Now, here's the deal. It didn't matter if they lived in this neighborhood. It didn't matter that their father was West Hall. It mattered that they're black. They got that response because they were black. Yeah. Okay, so when people sit there and go, well, you're a rich black person and you don't understand, you know, check yourself, (laughs) yourself, okay? The color doesn't matter. And all those people who say, well, I'm a light-skinned black person and you're a dark-skinned black person, we ain't treated no differently when people are discriminated against us. Discriminated against us exactly the same way, right? So the fact of the matter is that if some of us are influential and others of us are not, Let's use the influential one to our benefit mm-hmm. so that we can change things for those who are not influential and can't change it for themselves. George Floyd couldn't fight for himself, but guess what? Other people are fighting for him now. That's right. This is a perfect segue into the, this discussion about you being a dragon on Dragon's Den. First of all, uh, we are so proud of you and, and congratulations. Uh, from from the drip and and from black millennials all over the country. Thank you. You have repeatedly said that you will use this opportunity to help BIPOC entrepreneurs, which is good and and sorely needed. What qualities will you be looking for from your potential new business partners? You know, so here's the so I've invested in a number of black businesses today, and the reason why I've invested is because they can't get capital anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like they can't. I've. I've you know, there's a couple of businesses uh, that uh, that I've invested in that are just amazing people. They got amazing businesses. I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised that they can't find capital. It angers me mm-hmm. that they yeah. can't find capital. It angers me yep. because I've seen people who are duppy. <laughs> <laughs> they're my duppy and I'm going to get money. <laughs> and they're blowing it. Okay. And they get yeah. more after they blow that. Yeah. And people that look like me with fantastic business ideas can't get the money. That Crumbs. me, okay? So what I do, I invest behind them. But what I look for is, are you professional? Okay? Mm-hmm. Are you a good uh, steward of somebody's capital? Are you honest? Are you hardworking? Do you have skin in the game? You know, and, 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 and so I invest behind, yeah, you got to have a good idea, but I invest behind people. Right. 
right? They invest behind people. This, you know, this person, you know, they need some help, but they're going to put in the work. And I know if they put in the work, they're going to be successful. I was one of those guys. I had a business plan that I thought was fantastic. Okay. And there was a guy that was at the same company that set up the same shop, almost the same shop that I set up just before I set up mine. But guess what? He got all kinds of money, all kinds of money. And guess what happened to his business in 18 months? Boom. <laughs> Dead. Out of business. Everybody lose their money. Gone. Right? Gone. Nobody even remember him name. Right? And here I am. Okay. I set up mine. I couldn't get a dollar from those same people. Mm-hmm. I have to mortgage my house and put everything on the line. And guess what? 20 years later, I'm still there. Yes. <laughs> Sit there. Hey, listen, man, don't let me get going, okay? (laughs) This is what this show is all about. (laughs) Don't let me get going, man. Just pull me back. So I mean I mean I, I love I love what you're saying because because I, I do think that just you simply being a black dragon and entertaining some of these ideas that historically wouldn't have been entertained by uh you know a cast that a, a cast of dragons that does not have black representation would not understand or or would probably dismiss based on other stereotypes that exist within the within the world about black communities. But I wonder if further than just a, a representation change. So, so you being a black dragon, uh, I, I want to know whether CBC will be inviting more BIPOC entrepreneurs to casting or if there will be other kind of process changes, if you rather, if you know of any other process changes that will make it easier for BIPOC entrepreneurs to just get in the door. Here, here's the deal. Am my job that? I see it there. <laughs> I'll go on the show. And you don't see no BIPOC people, no black people. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. That's my bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my job. When I when I say, say to these black people, when they get to the boardrooms and the C-suite, and I say, and there's no other black people coming to your company, that's on you. Mm-hmm. That's on you. It's not on the company anymore. It's on you because you ain't speaking up. Mm-hmm. Because you're not there to make changes. You're just there to be comfortable. Okay, so when we get into positions like those, we have to be prepared to make changes so I can guarantee you, okay, guarantee you that there are going to be black people that's going to be pitching to me and dragons then, okay? Okay. Because if there ain't no dragon, no black people pitching to me, I'm going to ask, Wamek, yeah, where them there? And they're going to tell me that I can't find them. Me will find them for you. Yes. I'll go find them, okay? And I'm going to put them in front of you. Because that's what we're doing in corporate Canada right now. Because corporate Canada is saying, I can't find black people for my boardroom. I can't find black people for my C-suite. And Black North is saying, here's a list. Yeah. Pick one. Pick yeah. two. Pick three and a half percent, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay? We are coming up with solutions. We're not just let them say we can't. So when, I, when we talk about the federal government with their program saying, we can't find this and we can't do that, here's a nice little list of people. Yeah. Why aren't you talking to them? You know, we're not letting people come up with the solutions to our problems for us. We have to come up with the solutions and give it to them. 100%. Right? So when you talk about the Ford government saying, you know, stop and frisk again, because what I call it, I call it Black Friday when they announced that thing. That's what I, that's what I call it, right? Mm. You think if there was a black person around the table, you know, with some kahunas, they would have done that? 
Well, we talked. We talked about that. We talked about that. I got very angry. Yes, we talked about that. You think? Exactly. And I said because maybe a black person did it, but them them never have no kahuna. Yeah. Them not have them. No, right. clearly. Saying if there's a black person there with a kahuna, and that's what you want to put in these places, black people with kahunas. <laughs> Wes, you said kahunas so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, as as we approach the uh, the one year anniversary of Black North Initiative being launched, um, can you give us a scoop on what we should expect moving forward beyond the CEO pledge? I, I think what you're going to see is a, an increased number of Black people getting opportunities in places that they they didn't get it before. You're going to see students uh, saying that finally I can get a job. Mm-hmm. at these different places because I graduate and I can help my family. You're going to see single mothers in underprivileged neighborhoods saying, oh man, I can afford to buy a home because now there's a program there that allows me to buy a home and now I can leverage that and send my kids through school. I can li- leave a legacy behind for my kids. Oh, I got out of poverty because of this program that we'll put in place. The healthcare system has changed because before I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that. I was treated very differently. Now I'm treated like everybody else when I access the system. When my kids go to school, they don't see 48% expulsion rate because they're black. They now see the same rate as other kids because they do the same things, right? So, so those we're talking about changing society fundamentally, fundamentally. But we also know as black people. We don't have the keys to the system, man. We're on the outside looking in. We have to get the people who have the keys to the system to work with us willingly to change a system that they're controlling. So so that's why it's important to sign the pledge. That's why it's important to have corporate Canada because they have the keys to the system and they determine who gets in and who doesn't. If you're a CEO, you determine the hiring practices of your organization. You determine who the company does business with. Right. You determine all those things. So now if you say, I want to make sure that X percentage of the population in my organization is BIPOC. I want to make sure I'm black. I want to make sure that X percentage of the students we hire are black. We want to make sure that X percentage of the money we spent on sponsorship and in the community are going to the black community. I want to make sure that X percentage of the supply chain is black. If we're going to do all those things because the CEO has the power to do every single one of those things. So as a result of that, they have the ability to change lives, right? So, so those are the things that we're going to see and we're starting to see. And it's only been a year, not even a year yet. We started, we, we, we did the summit on July 20th last year. George Floyd was murdered on the 25th of May. And we did our summit. It, it, all this happened after that. And our summit launch was July 20th. We haven't been a year yet. And we've seen monumental changes in our society as a result of it. And we didn't have a thousand people doing it. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. Change didn't happen. And when we look at what Martin Luther King did, he was just one man in his 20s that said, this is wrong. And I'm going to do something about it. And if people want to come with me, come, but I'm not going to wait for you. Yeah. And I'm not going to wait. And, and everybody's not going to find what I'm doing popular. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, they didn't really get along as buddies. Because mm-hmm. they have different ways of doing things, and 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 Malcolm X said, "Man, you you know, like to you talking to these guys and being nice to them, you need to beat them over the head. That's the only way you change." And he said, "No," mm-hmm. but he didn't wait, and he didn't let the criticism that he got stop him from doing what he was doing, because he knew 
that in a generation, he didn't think he was going to die early from doing it, but he didn't focus on that. He focused on what the future is going to look like for black people, not just for him, but for black people in general. He focused on the promised land. That's it. And, and so that's why, you know, I'm a fortunate guy in the sense that I have uh, benefited from the system. How did I benefit from the system? I benefited from the system by emulating the people who have the keys to the system. Right. Mm. I look at how they juggle. I look at how they juggle and I go, hey, if I want to get in there, I got to juggle like these guys. Yep. Right. And then when I'm in a position that I can now use that to my advantage, I start doing that. And sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes decades, right, before you get to a point where you're influential enough so that people can listen to you, and by them listening to you, you can make fundamental changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Wes, this, is, uh, this has been an extremely insightful conversation, and we're happy you joined us for it. Um, of course, we wish you continued success as you work on behalf of Black and underrepresented Canadians to improve our quality of life. And... Since we like to have an open and ongoing conversation with all of our esteemed guests at The Drip, we hope you'll return in the future as BNI continues to make progress in the face of anti-Black racism. Uh, will you join us again soon? Bro, you know, you invite me and I'll come. But I want to stop. I want to say this, okay, if you would let me. Please. When I graduated from uh, Pearson, Lester B. Pearson High School in Scarborough uh, in, uh, in 1988, okay, Mm-hmm. And you see a graduation picture. It's an ugly picture, I got to tell you, because even <laughs> I think I was ugly in that picture because me had the gold chain them around my neck and all this kind of stuff. My chain said the Don on it, right? The Don, <laughs> yes. And I'll tell you what I wrote in my yearbook in 1988. It says, Wesley Hall, the Don, in quotes. Wow. To all undergrads, don't wait until you reach grade 12 to decide what you want to be in life. Decide now or else you will give little or no contribution to our society. Mm. That's what I'm right at 18 years old. And me never know so I'm going to do what I'm doing right now. You're so good, man. Okay. But, but you know what? Because of the, the roots, my grandmother's roots, mm-hmm. it was always there. And like I said, sometimes it takes 10 years, decades to kind of do what you really want supposed to do because you have to get there. You have to earn it. And sometimes it takes a long time to earn it. So at 18 years old, that's when I knew that I wanted what I wanted, what I think I wanted to do. But it took me until I'm 50 years old to earn the credibility to now do it. Mm. Well, I, I echo all of Curtis's sentiments and, and I want to speak directly to our listeners. For our listeners, we invite you to learn more about Wes and his work. We will have various links in the show notes for you to learn more about uh, this this incredible change maker really pushing for, for change in corporate Canada today. But before you go, Wes, you know, we have to, you know, run like a rap. Yeah. So <laughs> here's, here's the deal. So, so, so when I was, uh, so, at, so Pearson, Lester B. Pearson in Malvern was in a school whereby it was multicultural, multicultural, and we would have international days. Mm-hmm. And the international, you got to think in mind, I came from Jamaica at 16 years old, right? And, um, and this was like, uh, I, I think it was, you know, 18, 17, 18. So two years after Jamaica. So I've got a raw Jamaican accent and everything, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, and they said, okay, we need to go and you need to perform some reggae on international day to the school. And it has to be original. You can't make it. You, you got to make it up from scratch. You can't take somebody else's thing and rip it off. And they judge you. 
So I came up with a rap on the spot, okay? And this is Lester B. Pearson, all right? Around Pearson, there's a lot of bus stop. One hey. person, one top scot. Hey. One Nathan while Milner and the wall of them end up at the town center. Bo, 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 bo. <laughs> <laughs> that, right? That took my house down. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, and I still have that rap in my head. I'm telling you, and I was like, that was when I was 18 years old. <laughs> I mean, I heard that from you four years ago, and it's still in mind. So it's <laughs> still there, bro. It's still there. Because I grew up there too. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, man. Here's what. I, here's my thing. You know, we can't forget where we came from. That's I'll right. Never forget where I came from. Never, never. And uh, and I'll never forget what it's like to struggle when I was there. Mm-hmm. And I and my job is to try to make it a little bit easier if I can for other people so that they don't have to struggle the way that I struggled. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't give up the struggles that I went through for nothing because it made me the person I am today. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Wes, we're so thankful you joined us. We're thankful for all the work you're doing to make Canada a better place for Black and other marginalized Canadians. And we look forward to having you back. 